Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We've got Tom Dupree flying solo for this hour. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. And over to you, Tom. So, who knows the name of this group? Well, I do because I've got it in front of me. Yeah, you didn't know. You probably (laughs) never heard this song. I have heard the song, but I would not have known who the artist was. It was 1981. Uh, The name of the group really doesn't matter. It was called The Buggles, but just from everything I've read, it was just some guys that didn't have a job, and they knew something about music, and they got together, and I think this was the only real hit. But two of them moved on to collaborate with the group Yes, which really was a big deal, a serious gig. And uh, I'm going to get you to play another thing and, and, and there's some ser- there's some similarities of sound uh, of course yes I'm trying to think of the guy's name Chris somebody I don't remember that was another genre of music sort of than what I listened to but when I got to Suwannee there were a lot of people that did listen to yes and uh, so we play that last one on there uh, that I just so the third one down um and it, we won't play the whole song but uh so how did the bungles or whatever they're called come front of mind i'm always interested in how you I come just, up with uh, this music i don't know i saw something where the song was being played um and i thought you know that is a song i think i heard okay Push it forward a little bit. Like just now to go ahead. Leave it leave it that way. Where there it is. This takes a while. You're probably not gonna immediately see the uh, similarity. It'll pick up here in a minute. There we go. 
alternative. It's kind of got that little same quick pace. Vocals a little similar. I would say that these are sort of two edges of what might be classified as British glam rock. Now this was 2008 remastered. So no, it was. It came out in the 70s. That, that that has nothing to do with it. Remaster is just the is just the. Uh, it's a redoing of a song. Well, right? it's just laying it down to sound better on digital. Um, no, the the song came out in I'd say 73. I like this part. Now, this is the group Yes. The song's called Roundabout. I don't know. I was just trying to make... And there was a place in there, in that first song by the Buggles, uh, who, why do you think they called themselves the Buggles? Any guesses? Well, because of the Beatles. All right. How is that connected? Well, I don't know. Are you trying to get me to see if I can understand the British mind? Um, I was so, thinking bun- bungles, you know, because they were kind of. No, that's the Bengals. <laughs> or used not to anymore. Yeah, not, it, not now. <laughs> All right, so th- there was a sound in there that was kind of a trumpet sound. So I just sent you the, so play this one. And it'll you'll hear you. I'm trying to kind of give you this distinctly British sound that you're not really going to get from any American groups. It's got a classical tilt to it a little bit. Don't turn it down. It's, there's a thing I want you to hear. It's going to be a minute or two. This is entertainment, honey. Doesn't always have to be text or content. This is content. We kind of have this ongoing thing about what constitutes contest content. You know, it was my show. Now, not so much, but I'm trying to get it back. <laughs> so anyway, you know, two strong wills. What am I going to say? All right, hold on. It'll come here in a minute. Here we go. You're not going to hear an American group doing this. All right. There you go. It's just, uh, the Brits have really influenced me. I, you know, I was an English major. And I read Shakespeare. And 
Wordsworth and, you know, so many good poets and the music. All right. Now we're going to get to some content, right? Yeah, it drives her nuts. <laughs> she doesn't think this is content. <laughs> no, it is. It's entertainment. You're right. All right. This is from the Wall Street Journal, written by Jamie Dimon. So this is kind of a watershed thing. He's the biggest president of the biggest bank in the world. And so he has sort of a bully pulpit, which he will use from time to time. The West needs America's leadership. You know, I could just about read it all, but I'm not. Russia's invasion of Ukraine punctured many assumptions about the future of the world and thus was a pivotal moment in history. America and the West can no longer maintain a false sense of security based on the illusion that dictatorships and oppressive nations won't use their economic and military power to advance their aims, particularly against what they perceive as weak, incompetent, and disorganized Western democracies. In a troubled world, we are reminded that national security is and always will be paramount, even if it seems to recede in tranquil times. That's a fair enough statement. It should also lay to rest the idea that America can stand alone. U.S. leaders must always put America first, but global peace and order is a vital American interest. Only America has the full capability to lead and coalesce the Western world, though we must do so respectfully and in partnership with our allies. Without cohesiveness and unity with our allies, autocratic forces will divide and conquer the bickering West. America needs to lead with its strengths, not only militarily, but economic, diplomatic, and moral. Here's what we can do. Now we're going to start getting into some of the talking points. Rededicate ourselves to the qualities and principles that made America great. So if he changed made to make and put again after great, it would say make America great again. Sorry, couldn't resist it. These principles are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and the idea that all people are created equal. Democracy and human freedom are inseparable from freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and free enterprise. It would help to educate all Americans about the sacrifice of those who came before us for democracy at home and abroad. We need to acknowledge the critical role that government plays, and we need government to be more competent and accountable. We must build stronger safety nets to care for the poor, the old, and the disabled, and to cushion adjustment to economic change while also maintaining economic dynamism, individual responsibility, and the dignity of work. We must confront crises and failures of public policy by developing better policies and by dealing with realities. We can recognize the mistakes America is made without disparaging the nation. We support global human rights and stand on the side of liberty, but we also have to be realistic about the compromises necessary 
to accomplish long-term goals. Remember, Franklin D. Roosevelt and Winston Churchill allied with Stalin against Hitler's, Hitler's imminent threat. And then he gets into some policy ideas, one of which is develop a Marshall Plan for global energy and food security. This will be critical both in keeping the Western alliances together and minimizing the global suffering caused by starvation. Global energy and food supply chains are precarious by their nature, and it should be self-evident that energy security and preventing climate change aren't contradictory. Secure and reliable oil and gas production is compatible with reducing CO2 over the long run, and it's far better than burning more coal. It should also be self-evident that the global food and energy security relies on realistic trade policy and American military strength. So, yeah, but no. Anyway, the next one. Increase military spending along with our allies as much as necessary to protect the world. Not only is America a bastion of freedom, it is still the arsenal of democracy, and economic sanctions are no substitute for an effective military. We know only too well that war comes not when the forces of freedom are strong, but when they are weak, as Ronald Reagan said in 1980. Military strength needs to be combined and coordinated with strong diplomatic and economic aid for the developing world. Thoughtful policies would help many nations lift up their people, develop their human rights, and join economic unions that are good for all involved. Recover our economic dynamism. A strong economy is the fountain foundation for American power. We haven't focused enough on economic growth. Between 2000 and 2020, real gross U.S. domestic product grew at an average rate of only 1.7% a year. Had we grown at 3%, last year's GDP per person would have been $15,000 higher. That would help pay for much of what we need to do as a nation. Economic growth will repair the fraying of the American dream, particularly if we share the wealth by improving education and wages for lower-paid citizens. There are many effective ways to do this, such as raising minimum wages and expanding the earned income tax credit. Um, All right. Then the final one is deal with China thoughtfully and without fear. Uh, and he calls it the America still has an enormously strong hand, plenty of food and water, peaceful neighbors, and what is still the most prosperous dynamic economy the world's ever seen. And he, he actually applauds them on lifting up their nation. Now, let me just describe what I think about this. I think Jamie Dimon feels that in his role, he's not just the president of a large bank. He's kind of a statesman. And I think he also sees that he knows that somebody like Joe Biden 
is never going to put something forth like this, that it's pretty much a basket case at the White House and in Congress. So he sees a bit of a vacuum there, and maybe he feels compelled to step into it and, and say something. And, and that I'm glad about. But I would simply say that if you look at who is really running our country today, I'm not sure I would trust us to intervene militarily in a way that at this point would be um, cohesive and necessarily thoughtful or ultimately for the sake of freedom. I think what we've had is a coup and that we now have um, something that stands for something much else than what America has always stood for. And Jamie Dimon uh, has always sort of, from what I can read and tell, sympathized with the Democrats. So just like Jay Powell, as the head of the Federal Reserve, not criticizing government spending as a contributor to inflation, uh, Jamie Dimon, as head of the largest private bank in the U.S., is not going to really get to the bottom of what the problem is. Now, this phrase, rededicate ourselves to the qualities and principles that made America great. So <clears throat> in that statement is the assumption that we are not now dedicated to those things that we are not dedicated to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the idea that all people are created equal. Then he says something that I'm going to disagree with a little bit. He says, democracy and human freedom are inseparable from freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and free enterprise. I would say Republican democracy. Because pure democracy is pure chaos. Then he says something that is interesting. It would help to educate all Americans about the sacrifice of those who came before us for democracy or whatever you want to call it, Republican democracy, at home and abroad. And that embedded in that assumption is that we have a huge part of the population maybe as much as half, that basically has no recollection of or interest in history. No concern for what it took to build this country. Then he says we need to acknowledge the critical role that government plays. Well, then he says, and we need government to be more competent and accountable. This is simply naive for him to say this because the whole way government works is to do all sorts of things except the critical things. They do some of those and to be incompetent and completely unaccountable 
This is how the animal works. And you know better than this, Jamie. So why did you say it? How about saying we need to attack the Leviathan that government has become, but that might not sit well with your Democratic friends. That's an awfully big word. We must build, well, look it up. You know what a Leviathan is, don't you? Some of our listeners may or may not. Do you? I may be one of the listeners that doesn't. It's a sea monster. It's in the Bible. It's like a big sea dragon. It's huge. Leviathan. It's a huge. That is in my everyday vocabulary and wheelhouse. Leviathan. Leviathan. I mean, it's. Son, Leviathan. You've never heard that? You know, I have not. Okay. I have now. And so have our listeners. And we're going to go to a break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We're getting. Now you have a new word. And you have a vocabulary lesson in addition to other things. If you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can always go to our website, DupreeFinancial.com, under the radio tab. We will be back in just a few minutes with the second half of the hour. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Our host, Tom Dupree, is flying solo today. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. And here's Tom. All right. So what's this song, Elizabeth? It's Break Out by Swing Out Sister. Is this a song you know about? (laughs) It was one of those 
senior year of college songs. Do you like it? Well, you know, anything that's associated with a fun time. Yeah. It was one of the early early videos on MTV as well. So uh, the very first one was that first one we played. So anyway, is it just like one girl and with a band behind her? Is that what it was? I think so. Yeah. yeah. All right. I sent you another one, and it's somewhat of a similar genre, and but it's a little. Hider, it's it's a big it's a group and i just thought you might want to listen to that one too i have never heard of this group i don't think you never have i don't think so yep. um, i just looked at the title of the song A little different. What your your train of thought? How did you go from Swing Out Sister to the Manhattan Transfer? They're all kind of they all kind of came out around the same time. It's that sort of big hair music. I mean, not no, that's <laughs> that's more your kind of just. I think of Swing Out Sister in the same vein as I didn't ask you to turn oh. it all the way off. Turn it up. You don't play 15 seconds and then cut it back. What the hell are you doing? You know, listeners, when Tom ends up running the board on his own, we are all in trouble. (laughs) It's a good part here. Keep it going. This is more of a Beach Boys sound. But it's, it's designed to be kind of vintage. So what I was going to say about Swing Out Sister, that group reminds me a little bit more of the Madonna era. Yeah, yeah. And the... Um, this Bel- might have come and, a little earlier. And the Belinda Carlisle yeah, era. Yeah, it does. As opposed to this. But this is enjoyable. Listen to this. Can I turn it down now? Yeah. Just checking. Make sure you check. All right. So we just had this uh, Jamie Dimon thing. Article. Who's who's trying to be statesmanshiply. But I don't think he's really dealing with the problem. And I think the problem is why we had a big standoff in the speaker election. Okay. When historian, author, this is from Mark Miller. When historian, author, and conservative commentator Victor David Hans, Davis Hansen talks, I listen. VDH is one of a select few for whom I have complete respect as opposed to the political hacks of CNN, Fox News, or anywhere in between who covet viewers who tune in religiously to be told what they already believe. And then part of it gets cut off. 
Anson constructed the column primarily with uncomfortable questions for which the answers are also uncomfortable, but in both cases, we're talking about critical questions that need to be asked and answered if we were to right the sinking ship of state, which the Biden administration and Democratic lawmakers are determined to sink with all aboard. Well, make that hardworking, taxpaying, God-fearing, faith-based patriots despised by the Democrats and the woke far left. Did someone or something seize control of the United States? Hansen asked before leading readers through the Biden crisis after crisis in question form, beginning with the Biden border crisis. What happened to the U.S. border? Where did it go? Who erased it? Why and how did 5 million people enter our country illegally? Did Congress secretly repeal our immigration laws? Did Joe Biden issue an executive order allowing foreign nationals to walk across the border and reside in the U.S. as they pleased? While Hansen's questions are rhetorical, they should uh, provoke serious thought in the sane among us who are concerned about the direction of the country after just two disastrous years of the Biden presidency. God only knows how much executive overreach we'll see now that the GOP barely uh, controls the House. In the wake of the Supreme Court's June overturn of Roe versus Wade, abortion activists threatened conservative associate justices and their families, including at their personal residences, against federal law. Hansen had several questions. Was it not against federal law to swarm the homes of Supreme Court justices, to picket and intimidate their households in efforts to affect their rulings? How then, with impunity, did bullies surround the homes of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, Alito, Barrett, Gorsuch, John Roberts, and Clarence Thomas, furious over a court uh, decision on abortion? How could these mobs so easily throng our justice homes with placards declaring off with their genitals? On another front, the 2016 Russian collusion hoax that dogged Trump for several years, yet finally we learned that Hillary Clinton herself was to blame for attempting to subvert the campaign of Trump. And the mainstream media's response? Nothing. When did we assume that the FBI had the right to subvert the campaign of a candidate it disliked? Was it legal suddenly for one presidential candidate to hire a foreign ex-spy to subvert the campaign of a rival? Since when did the people decide that 70% of voters would not cast their ballots on Election Day? Was this revolutionary change the subject of a national debate, a heated congressional session, or the votes of dozens of state legislatures? What happened to election night returns? Did the fact that Americans created more electronic ballots and computerized tallies make it take so much longer to tabulate the votes? And I heard a I heard somebody say, you know, on The View, they can count 130 million votes during a commercial break. 
I think it might be on the voice. The voice. Yeah. Not the view. Yeah, the voice. And yet we can't count a few thousand in two weeks. And finally, the left's draconian pandemic lockdowns, mass mandates and vax mandates. Hanson talked about that as well. As well. When did the government pass a law depriving Americans of their freedom during a pandemic? In America, can health officials simply cancel rental contracts or declare loan payments in suspension? How could it become illegal for mom and pop stores to sell flowers or shoes during a quarantine, but not so for Walmart or Target? How did a virus cancel the Constitution? Did the lockdowns rob rob us of our sanity? Or was it the woke hysteria that ignited our collective madness? If conservative America continues to whine about freedoms denied or threatened by the Democrat Party without uniting against the cancer of leftism, the uncomfortable questions will answer themselves as they metastasize throughout society and accomplish the act of the left's desire of destroying America as we know it. Now, so contrast Victor Davis Hanson, who really is focusing on the things that are mad and crazy about our world, next to Jamie's uh, commentary where He seems to have the notion that, you know, we've got what it takes. We just need to get back to doing it the right way. But I think that that Jamie Dimon lives a little bit in an ivory tower. I mean, he's in the C-suite of the largest bank in the world. You would think he knows everything that's going on. He doesn't. That is the most protected place in the world. And he knows basically what his subordinates tell him. That's what he knows. He doesn't have somebody coming in there and telling him you're a fool. Victor Davis Hanson, on the other hand, lives in California. Northern California, to be exact. He puts up with all the insults that living in a big city or a Uh, metro area in California entails these days all the governmental insanity he sees it he hasn't moved from California to someplace like Nebraska where things are quieter and more peaceful so I think I would probably trust his take on things a little better the aims that Jamie Diamond puts out there are laudable, but first something has to happen at the core of America. And until that happens, I don't think we're going back to world leadership. In fact, I think we're slowly being invaded and I don't think we have to work or worry about China or the Muslims, if you're a Christian. I think we ourselves are our own worst enemy. 
we ourselves have enough self-loathing and express it in our own form of government and the way we treat others. We don't need the Chinese to do the kind of damage to us that they would like to do because we're already doing it to ourselves. What do I see as the potential solution? Well, I have a background in business. So therefore, I can tell you lessons that come from business. In 1985, Coca-Cola decided they would change the formula. And at first, people were curious about it, and then they began to grow irate. And a great brand, which is Coca-Cola, was nearly completely destroyed until the people in the top suite said, we were wrong and we will turn back from that and go back to the original formula. There are many companies and many people nowadays that are doing things a certain way because they believe it's the right thing to do. But it's leading to literally horrible consequences. If you look in the Bible, every time Israel got into trouble, The only way they came back was through repentance, turning away from their sins. Let's call it, if you don't like that word, you think it sounds judgmental, let's say turning away from doing stuff that doesn't work. Let's borrow a slogan from one of the recovery programs that says, if you do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. That's what I would apply to our country these days. So unless there's a realization that the way we're doing things isn't working, nothing's going to change. If you look at the recent fight for McCarthy to get elected Speaker of the House, which took 15 votes, and realized that the holdup was 20 members of Congress, which is about 5% of the whole body, and realized that of the 435 people there, 100% of the Democrats... And roughly 90% of the Republicans, so that's basically 95% of the whole body, were basically in agreement that the status quo was okay. Now think about that for a minute. And why is it? Because they all believe 
that they're on the side of right. And yet the country is in the shape it's in. Um, I think there are a lot of backroom deals that go on, too, that change, that temper people's ideas about things, too, within that body. I mean, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm saying that the out in the open stuff was over certain rules and things that 95% of the whole body thought, let's just keep doing business as usual. 5% said no. Our congressman was one of the 95%. So next time he tells you he's a conservative that he, you know, believes in smaller government, just watch his actions. All you got to do is look at the actions. It says in the Bible, by their fruits, you shall know them. What are fruits? They're the product of what you do. So if you look at some person or buy, you know, group or organization, they they preach one thing and they say this is the way it is, but then look at what they actually do. That's going to be the part that tells you who they really are. Now, can you change who you really are? No. Unless it's by God's grace. There might be a key it started last Monday night when DeMar Hamlin took that blow to the heart, which stopped his heart, which got going again, which now he's recovering from. And the whole world, or at least the football world, fell to their knees and prayed. What if we did that? What if we believed that there is a chance that everything we have in this country may have or at least be close to receiving a blow to the heart that stops the heart of the very enterprise that we call America and that the only way to bring it back is to seek and pray for help. Looks to me like in the last 10 days, 12 days prayer in public places is now becoming more accepted. That is correct. And, um, the quarterback for the bills I read was leading a prayer group. People were coming to his house to pray for Demar Hamlin, which is quite a departure from where the NFL was two weeks ago. It seems to me. So that's that's a bright light to end the hour. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. Tom Dupree speaking out today. If you'd like to come talk to us about your portfolio, never hurts to have another set of eyes. Call us, 859-233-0400. If you'd like to send Tom an email with any comments, tdupree at dupreefinancial.com is his email address. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week.